Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney. The Jaguars are back from the bye week. It's time to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Justin, this is a, a big game at home at the bank. I like it, you know, and, and this one was originally one that I had penciled in as a loss, but things have changed. You know, I think San Francisco is getting some players back this week, adding to their lineup this week that could make this game a little bit interesting. Debo Samuel. Back in the mix, it looks like Chase Young. They traded for him, um, so you, you got a you got a Nick Bosa, and now it's Chase Young. You got two rushers on that uh, already good defensive line. So this uh, this is a very important game for Jacksonville. I'm not as um, I'm not as uh, bearish on Jacksonville as I was to begin with, and I think they can win this game um, coming back from the bye week. I still think injury wise, we haven't seen the best of the Jaguars just yet. I don't think we're going to see that this week. Uh, but again, if you told me six and two at the bye week and uh, alone in the AFC South at the top. I would have taken that 10 times out of 10. They're a game better at the bye than I had planned for. Yeah, look, this is a huge spot. I think I don't think very many people had them 6-2 and two through that first stretch. I, I think I had them with one more loss. These last nine games, though, hugely important. These are the ones that ultimately matter the most. I think I was talking to Foyer Lewican, and he pointed it out. He's like, look, I, I don't know what, we were 3-7 and seven last year is basically what he said, and he said we ended up making the playoffs, so 6-2 and two is great, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Th- this is what matters. November, December games, if you go 6-2, and two, which Christian Kirk did, Christian Kirk, I think his last year in Arizona, they went like 9-2, and two, won two games the rest of right. the way, and then lost in the wild card. So fast start's fun, but... It's how you finish. It is how you finish. Uh, You know, I heard a perfect soundbite from Mike McDaniel. Somebody asked him about the Dolphins' fast start. You know, they were on pace for NFL record and points after four weeks. And Mike McDaniel said, yeah, that that was our goal the whole offseason, to start out 4-0. Lead the league in scoring, and who cares? Our job's done. And that's I think that's how a lot of coaches and players say. You know, Trevor Lawrence, I know, said it after the Steelers game. We haven't done anything yet. It's nice to be 6-2, and two, heading into a bye week atop the AFC South, but you've not accomplished anything yet. You've seen the fast starts before. You know, we saw the fast start in, in 2018. I think Jacksonville was maybe 4-1, and one, the big win over the Patriots in Week 2 or Week 3. Um, and you really felt that they were kind of kicking it up. And then you limp to the finish line. You have basically a teardown year after that. Um, it just was not meant to be. So that fast start, while good on paper and nice for morale and fans, it means absolutely nothing. It's what you do the second half of the season. Point in case is uh, last year what they did in that second half of the season. So this is big. So this is almost like a new season, the beginning of November for this team. First game against the San Francisco 49ers, a team that I think a lot of people started penciling in as going to the Super Bowl from the NFC before the season started. A lot of people, I mean, I think we sat here and talked about it. Right. It was between the 49ers and the Eagles pretty much in that side of the league. So the Jaguars get a chance to go against a team that many penciled in as Super Bowl caliber. Right. They're on a three-game slide, but they had a few injuries. You kind of hit those bumps in the road. Still a very good team. Absolutely. You got C-Mac in the backfield. You know, Debo Samuel back. Um, Trent Williams, we don't know his status yet. Uh, one of the best offensive tackles in the league. You add Joey Bo- add you add a Chase Young to a Joey Bosa defense. Now you got two solid edge rushers. Um, so the pieces are certainly there for San Francisco. I know they battled some injuries during that three-game losing skid, uh, but they appear to be getting back um, healthy. And again, they're coming off a bye, just like Jacksonville, a chance to rest up and heal. But again, this was a, a one on the schedule where I thought, man, this is going to be a tough game. Um, you know, an NFC championship contender and the Niners coming here. Um, I'm not entirely sold on Brock Purdy. I don't don't know if he's that one-year wonder 
quite yet. I think we're going to see a, um, him in, in that Jacksonville defense. We'll see how good uh, he handles that pressure. But, uh, yeah, big game for San Francisco as well. I mean, not only a big game for Jacksonville, but, uh, you know, you lose four in a row if you're San Francisco and you all of a sudden start asking questions. Yeah, you're right. Uh, look, and that's part of the reason why I was kind of flipping and flopping on whether or not I thought the Jaguars would win this game going in. Um, look, 49ers have lost three in a row. Good teams don't tend to lose four in a row. Right. Let, let alone, I mean, good teams don't normally lose three in a row. So it's a, it's an interesting spot, and I think what I, I came back to as I was getting ready to get the pick, and I know this is still early on for us to be doing picks, but maybe we'll just do them now. Um, I, I, I said, you know, in the past – the Jaguars were always that get-right game for teams. They were all they were the perfect get-right team. The homecoming game. That was it. They were the, they were the perfect home. It didn't matter if it was home away. They, you know, you you were struggling, bumps right. in the road. Jaguars. That was perfect. And you know, we we sit here and we've talked about how the Jaguars are a different team, and it's not the same old Jaguars because that's the phrase that a lot of people tend to fall back to, ah, same old Jags, you know, and that this team is different. It's not the same old Jags. They're, they're winning some of those gritty games, right. gritty not pretty, like Foyer said. Um, so I, that's what I kind of kept coming back to as I said, ah, I don't know. Look, the Jaguars are underdogs at home. Right. Uh, home dogs to a team that lost three games in a row. So there's definitely some doubt out there about this team, but that I just kept flipping and flopping all week. I, I, I think I ultimately landed on them picking the Jags to win it. Um, but it, I definitely have have considered both sides of this heavily. Absolutely. I, I, beginning of the year, when I went through and did my schedule, ten and seven was the record I landed on, and this was a loss. I also yes. had a loss to the Bills, but I've changed both of those because how the season has played out. Um, I know there's still a lot of doubters on the Jags, um, and rightfully so. Small market team, and you know, just kind of that, um, you know, that that the personality that the franchise has had over the years. You know, same old Jags, same old Jags. So there's a lot of national doubters out there. But I've kind of come around on this game where I think Jacksonville will win this game. For one, their defense is flying high. They're going to be healthier than they've been in a little bit of time getting back uh, into the mix. you got reinforcements on the offensive line. You're going to be getting pieces like Gregory Jr. back in that secondary. Tyson Campbell appears like he's going to play. Andre Sisco back. So they're healthy. They are flying high. And I think that momentum, Doug Peterson has talked about it before the bye and after, that you got to keep doing what you were doing. Clean up some things, obviously, but you, you like where you're headed. You like the, the flow of the team and, and how things have come together. And I think this is a huge game. Not only for, for Jacksonville, but for San Francisco, too. You lose four in a row, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go from a potential Super Bowl representative out of the NFC or an NFC Championship game against the Eagles to what is wrong here? What, what, what are we doing? We've invested so heavily in this team, and things are just not working out. So, a huge game for the Niners as well. Yeah, they after the Niners, this is almost a must-win kind of game for them. Uh, Jaguars, you, you still want to win. Uh, I wouldn't say must win unless you start talking about trying to keep up for that number one overall seed, which obviously they're in the conversation for right now, and they have to find a way to get ahead of the Chiefs if they're going to get a hold of that. Okay, so when we talk about this game, you, you possibly you have to go to the running back matchup. If you like right. running backs, this is a perfect this matchup. Is it. This is it. This is like right now if you just go by the numbers the number 1 and 2 running back in the league right. are both going to be out there on the field Christian McCaffrey Travis Etienne both of them have been doing fantastic things one thing i found interesting so obviously this offseason there was all the conversation about the running back being devalued around the league and how running backs weren't getting paid and one of the things that Travis Etienne said when he was asked about it is you have to be a a, a guy like a Christian McCaffrey right. 
And now all of a sudden, he's second in yards from scrimmage in the NFL behind just yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Right, and, and he said it again this week. He, he uh, C-Mac is that prototype back that the NFL is gearing towards. You know, the NFL has gone from more of a primarily a, a running league over the last, I mean, in my lifetime, certainly the last 15 years. You know, you remember the, the, the big backs. I mean, every year getting it done, running backs going high in the draft, and you just don't see that. You've seen it shift with the offense going more towards that air. And uh, to do that, to have that offense, that hybrid back, I mean, the, the Derrick Henrys are few and far in between, and I think they're going to be going uh, not, not extinct, but you're not going to see a guy like that, that big bruising back who offers nothing out of the backfield. Um, you got a guy like C-Mac kind of setting the tone and saying, hey, I want to catch the ball. I want to be a factor in that receiving game. Yeah, I remember years ago, Arizona had a guy, Larry Sinners. He was a fullback, and he was so good out of the backfield. He was the first back to catch 100 passes in a season. Um, and you've got the guys like that who can be uh, be effective in that passing game, too. And Travis Etienne is coming to his own big receiving touchdown to help him pull away at Pittsburgh uh, two weeks ago for their game before the bye. But C-Mac is that blueprint. He is the prototype of a new age running back hybrid receiver in the NFL. And Travis Etienne is following in that blueprint. I love what I've seen out of Travis this year. Now, on the other side of the ball, the 49ers defense, we have to talk about those pass rushers. So the thing that the Jaguars have to prepare for, the Niners defense is good. Their pass rusher has got to be the best part of it. Yes. They got Bosa on one side, and now they traded for Chase Young, a guy that we talked about here before about maybe being a trade target for the Jaguars. Jags didn't ultimately pull the trigger on that move. So now they get to play against Chase Young in his first game with his new team. Yeah, I know you and I both wanted Chase Young. Too, wanted Jamal. him here. Yeah. <laughs> wanted him on the Jags roster to bolster that pass rush. But he ended up in San Francisco. So now they have Bosa on one side. And they have Chase Young on the other. Now the good news is, the good news is the 49ers aren't really a defense that moves guys around a whole lot. So pretty much you know where they're going to be. You don't have to worry about if he's going to be flipping, flopping both of them on the same side, things like that, too, too much. So the Jaguars kind of know what they're working against. The problem is those two guys are hard to block on their own, and now you got them both on the field at the same time. Right, yeah, and, and that's a huge assignment for Anton Harrison, huge assignment for Cam Robinson. You know, I, I misspoke earlier in the year when I talked about I was not worried about Chris Jones being a factor in week two. They had just signed him to a deal in that uh, the week of uh, week two Jaguars game was on tap, and I did not think Chris Jones would be a factor, of course. Uh, he gets Anton Harrison and uh, schools the rookie. I uh, did not take a week of uh, practice really to to get back in that mode. And you wonder if Chase Young, he's a new in a new system, how effective will he be? And you know, having seen Chris Jones, I, Chase Young is not Chris Jones level, but just seeing the fact that there was not a lot of practice time, he came into camp cold and or came into to practice cold and had a heck of a game. So. I, I'm, I'm going to say Chase Young can have a good game. Uh, you just have to neutralize those guys. And uh, when you got two of those guys to worry about, kind of what you're hoping to see out of Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, uh, where you've got that two-pronged attack coming from each side, um, that's what I think Chase Young um, and Joey Bosa could be this week. I'm glad you brought up Trayvon Walker, you know, uh, and, and Josh Allen, Josh Allen, of course. Look, Josh has been carrying the pass rush load. He's got to get some help from somewhere. Uh, Trayvon's got three and a half sacks right now which ties him for what yeah, he had last as a year. rookie so he's there so I mean anything else is I guess icing on top to show that progression if you can say well I he did what he did as a rookie in half the season you feel pretty good but you still gotta get more from got the number to, one yeah. overall pick uh is there a number in mind like I, I'm not sure he's gonna get to double digits I mean I guess it's possible if you say 
Is 7-8 good enough yeah, for him? Yeah, that's what I thought going into this year. I thought Josh Allen would have double-digit sacks, and I think I said in, in our podcast back in July or August when we talked about that, to me it would be a successful year for Trayvon if he had seven, eight, nine sacks, and that's what I'm going to say. I think Trayvon gets to eight, nine sacks this year, and I think that'll be a massive improvement for him. Again, he's still a guy trying to find a position, still trying to – I mean, his, his NFL career is what? How many games long? 27 games long at this point, 28 games when you factor playoffs in. It's not uh, extensive at this point. So he's a guy learning a new position. He has to be more effective. I think he will get there eventually. Um, but, again, Josh Allen has been their only true pressure guy this year. But if you could get that Trayvon number up to 8, 9, even 10 sacks this year, pretty remarkable. I mean, Trayvon got to a 3.5 in 17 games last year. He's at 3.5 in 8 games this year. So that is a marked improvement. Again, you know, you're always comparing and contrast to Aiden Hutchinson and uh, what he's doing. But, again, Trayvon in the incremental steps – has been, I mean, there's no doubt he's a better player than he was last year. All right, so while we're on this subject, I want to throw something at you. So we're going to have, to, we're going to go left here a little right. bit because this is off of this season. So the the Jaguars have a little bit of salary cap math they got to do. So talking about Josh Allen, this is the last year of his deal. They have a decision to make. I think we'll be in 100% agreement here. They need to find a way to keep Josh yep, Allen aware. Absolutely. Now the hiccup in the road here is what you do with Calvin Ridley. Uh, Ridley's off to a good start. And this isn't saying that I don't think Ridley should be a Jaguar at all, but they do have to factor in the picks that they give to the Falcons. Right. And how to re-sign this guy. Ridley is a guy who thinks he should be paid, at the very least, probably Christian Kirk money, if not more. He thinks he's an elite receiver in the NFL. Right now, the numbers, he's on pace to get close to 1,000, which is good. Right. And you want to keep him here, because if not, you just gave up a pick for a one-year rental. Right. right? So you want to keep both of those guys. You only got one franchise tag. So you can only franchise tag one of them. The problem is, if I'm Josh's agent and you don't franchise tag me, and this is just me saying from a money talk standpoint, at the very least, I'm listening to offers on the open market. He's a pass rusher in his prime age, elite athleticism. I have no doubt he would get a, a contract worth more than what Montez Sweat right. just got offered, probably in the, in the ballpark of $120 million. Right. Offer on the street. So... There's nothing that the Jaguars, this is just me playing devil's advocate here. If I'm his agent, there's nothing that the Jaguars could throw at me unless it's just uh, egregiously elite money that would make me sign something before it, having that counteroffer. Absolutely. I mean, if you're Josh Allen and your agent, I mean, every week now is you're increasing your value in the offseason. Right. You know, the salary cap goes up next year, as it always does, um, and you're going to see that. I mean, we saw what Montez Sweat got last week. Josh Allen's going to get more than that. So at this point, you didn't sign Josh to a long-term extension this past offseason, which I think was a good you – know, at the time you couldn't because you just did not see that consistency that you needed from Josh Allen. You've seen it this year. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for a career year, franchise high in sacks, nine sacks in eight games, um, probably a Pro Bowl year for Josh Allen. So, yeah, his, his market value is through the roof right now, especially if he stays healthy and finishes. And Trent doesn't do deals during the season. He doesn't like to do that. Um, so – the question is, you got one franchise tag. Who do you franchise? Got to be Josh Allen. Got to be. Got to be Josh. You can't, you know, Calvin has been nice to have. I think he's still probably a little rusty. Um, but you get a guy, Josh Allen, who's going into year six. You drafted, you developed him. He's flourished in your system. Uh, his back was against the wall this year. He's playing on the fifth year option. The 
team needed to see more out of him, and, and he has shown that he can be that guy, at least through eight games of the season. So Calvin Ridley, the book is still out a little bit on him. He's been a little more, um, I'm not going to say disappointing because he hasn't been that. Uh, he's been a little less productive, and maybe he gets clicking when Zay gets back in that lineup and he's more effective. But right now I think you've got to slap that franchise tag. If you're only slapping one on a player, it's got to be Josh Allen. And uh, when, when I'm asking about the franchise tag, I'm not saying that obviously they won't get a long-term deal done like they got Evan done. Right. I, I think you're right. Um, you franchise tag Josh and say, hey, look, I just don't want you to talk to other people. You know, uh, look, we'll, we'll get you. We're going to get you paid. This isn't like a, hey, I, I got to see you do it again. This is a, I just don't want you to go talk to other people. Because once you go on the open market, now that price tag starts going up. Yep. And the Jaguars can't afford to get into a bidding war with other people. Now, the problem with that equation is I think the initial plan going into the year was they were going to ultimately be trying to franchise tag Calvin Ridley so that way they could try and not sign him to the tag until after the draft give Atlanta a little bit less of a draft pick back in response Um, so now you run the risk of possibly letting Ridley walk and having to try and replace his impact because to me what he's an enigma almost he was out of the league for a little bit teams are respecting him the numbers aren't going to be real gaudy how do you figure out his value right after what you've seen this year like if he just goes on and let's say he gets to a thousand let's say he gets to a thousand yards how do you equate that for a contract for a guy because normally it's all based off of merit on the field and you're going to be kind of guessing and he's going to want to be paid like a very elite receiver would be my guess especially because he missed those couple of years with the suspension right so I think that one's a tough one to figure out. You almost say, all right, hey, Calvin, would you take another one-year prove-it deal and go and try and put up better numbers and figure it out later? I mean, similar enough, offer him a, a deal similar to a franchise tag. But then you also hope, same thing like we said with Josh, somebody else doesn't swoop in and try and offer yeah. him big money, and then you're in trouble. Right, and you know the Calvin thing you're, you're touching on, You know, if Jacksonville re-signs Calvin Ridley, they have to give the Falcons a second-round pick. Right. So that's the, the caveat here where – you're not just signing Calvin Ridley. You got to give something back, and in this case, um, a valuable second-round pick if you re-sign him. So that's going to go into that equation too. And I remember we talked to Trent Baalke before the season started. I think even back in um, rookie minicamp, I, he was talking about this is important. How do you pay a Walker Little too? I mean, Walker's going to have to to be back in that. How do you judge? Walker Little on based on his limited amount of work. Um, is he your left tackle of the future? Um, if you let Cam Robinson walk next year. So a lot of uh, very tough salary cap decisions next year with, with not a lot of clarity. I mean, you, you wonder if Calvin continues this pace, it's going to be kind of middle-of-the-road receiver numbers, maybe 1,000 yards, four touchdowns. That's not number one receiver totals. But um, it's, it's year one of him back in the league after missing out a little bit of time. Is is that rust? Is it will it come back to him in year two? So yeah, and, and I don't think anything's wrong with a prove it deal. It's worked for Evan Ingram. He took that one year prove it deal and uh, parlayed that into a uh, very rich contract in year two with Jacksonville. So um, interesting. I, it, it's it's a good problem to have in a sense, but I I don't even think right now it's even a question. You got to get Josh Allen back. He's the only true pass rush on this team. And the prevailing thought is that if the Jaguars franchise tag Ridley and he doesn't sign it until after the draft, the Falcons would get the third-round pick because mm-hmm. technically Ridley has not signed yet. 
instead of getting the second round pick that they'd get if they re-signed him. Now you could let Ridley walk and test free agency and then bring him back and re-sign him after that. You yeah, you just got to gotta convince him to not <laughs> sign anything until after the draft. Um, but he's going to hit that third round mark one way or another um, because of the play totals, unless there's an injury and it would have to be real soon. Um, so as long as... As long as he's healthy, he's going to hit that third round mark because he's playing basically every snap for yep. the Jaguars. All right, that yeah, those are future problems. It's just something that's been popping up uh, around this week, a debate that's been going on. So I, want, I figured since we were talking about Josh Allen, it might be worth weighing in on it. But he's been huge for the Jaguars' defense so far this year. Right. He's going to be huge for them moving forward. And the Jaguars really got to shake that narrative of not being able to keep their own guys. Right, they did it with Devon Hamilton and brought him back. Um, you know, rewarded a young player. Um, and I think you've got to be able to just continually do that draft and develop and reward the guys as you can. You're not going to be able to reward every draft pick uh, like a Jawan Taylor, but the Devon Hamiltons of the world, the Josh Allens, you've got to be able to bring those guys back and not let them walk. All right, back to the 49ers. Let's pick the game, Justin. All right. Um, it's I know tough, man. This, this is a tough, tough one for one. me. Yeah, I, I flip back and forth on it. I'm rolling Jaguars. I think they win, um, I think it's at 28-23. Uh, close game, but I just think that Trent, this is actually a revenge game for Trent Baalke because uh, he was the GM in San Francisco and can. This is a revenge true. game um, for him a little bit, but I think he's built a good team. I think the Jaguars have a good a good roster, and I just don't think these are the same old Jaguars that are the get-right game. Yeah, and I, I agree. For I agree. you got to win those games, the ugly games. Yeah. We've seen them win the ugly games this year. And that's something they could not do in the past. They would lose, lose, lose. They would find a way to lose those games, those slugfest, nasty, dirty games where um, some team had to win and it wasn't the Jaguars. So they've shaken that narrative a little bit. They're 6-2 and two right now. I've even seen, uh, I think, Pro Football Focus had them the number one team in the AFC. Um, so, yeah, again, you're changing the narrative slowly. And I think they beat San Francisco this week. I'm going to say 27-24. There we go. I think right in that ballpark. It feels like it's going to be one of those days where Tre Trevor's going to have to have himself an outing um, to really get them to walk away with that. But it would be a good day for it. We'll see what the weather looks like on Sunday. But it should be a good game. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. You can always check out the News for Jags podcast anytime. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.